0: As Americans, uh, we love the story of the person that pulls themselves up from nothing, you know, works hard, overcomes impossible odds, and finally succeeds. I mean, you've seen thousands and uh, hundreds of movies with that kind of theme. You know, the proverbial rags to riches story. We, we love that, don't we? And there's something in us that's like, yeah, that's, that's like the, the American dream. That's like the promise, Right. And uh, we love seeing people do that. But individually, for you know, us individually, I think if we had to decide between that kind of thing and winning the lottery, most of us would prefer winning the lottery. I mean, we don't really want to work that hard To go through the struggle, we'd rather just sort of have it, you, know, overnight success, instant success, along with you know, all the, the wealth, the riches, everything that goes along with that. Anybody else or just me? There's a few honest ones out there, and you're like, no, we want to work hard and suffer. You can suffer, I'll take the lottery, okay? Um, Just saying. So, now here's the thing. In our walk with God, there's a lot of amazing promises in Scripture, and we love those. Who loves the promises of God? Come on, you're in church. You should be able to raise your hand to that one, right? Okay. Uh, Yeah, we love the promises of God. There's lots of amazing promises Promises. And they're like on every mug, you know, the cliche Christian mug. You've got all the different promises of God. And and there's, you know, promise of eternity and and eternal life, which is amazing and awesome. But there's also promises that have something to do with now, like joy and peace and and seeing God's provision that God will supply all my needs, that God's going to give me strength to overcome what I'm facing, that God's going to work things out for, for His good, work things out for good. In my life, right And there's these incredible promises throughout Scripture that you read. And as you go through Scripture, there's, there's incredible stories of people that struggled and went through hardship and experienced God's promises coming through in remarkable ways. And just like we like watching those movies of Rags to Riches, we love reading these Bible stories. We love preaching them. Uh, like in our kids' classes, we talk about a lot of these things. But again, I'm just guessing for you, if you had to choose, you would kind of prefer the lottery version of God's promises. Like you just pray a prayer. Okay, Jesus, I love you. I want to follow you. Boom, it all falls into place. Anybody else or just me again? That's our natural tendency as human beings, isn't it? We like things instant. We like things quick. We like things easy. Pray the prayer, to follow Jesus immediately. You got a happy marriage, well-behaved kids, great health, forward progress, you know, consistently. No big hardships that my friends aren't going through, you know, just pray a prayer, presto. The promises happen. We won the lottery. Thank you, Jesus. Can somebody say hallelujah, amen, right? Now, here's the unfortunate thing. That's not the way that life works, right? I mean, you know that with the lottery. I'm just guessing that none of your retirement plan, you didn't stop by the gas station on the way in because you thought, you know, I'm getting a little behind on my retirement plan. So I'm going to stop and pick up a couple lottery tickets on the way to church. <clears throat> if you did, we need to have another conversation later, and we'll just, we've got a Dave Ramsey class for you. Um, you'll learn a lot. You should do that. But no, of course not, right? You know there's principles that that you have to go through. You know there's things that you have to put in place. You know that if you don't plan for retirement, there's not going to be anything there in retirement, right? You don't pursue the lottery to get to your retirement goals. And the same is true in in walking with God and experiencing his promises. It's not an instant effort-free experience. But many times we operate under the assumption that it is. And today what we're going to talk about, um, experiencing God's promises. We're going, to, we're going to see this. Experiencing God's promises is dependent on walking faithfully in his principles. And see, here's the thing that we don't often think through, but too often we don't want to walk through the faithfulness that God expects of us in order to get to the promises that God has for us. But that's a necessary part of the Process. And here's what I know about you. Here's what I I believe about you. That you want to, you really want to experience God's promises in your life. You really want to experience more of his joy in your life, more of his peace in your life. You want to get to the things that he's calling you to do, right? So today we're going to look at four big principles for walking in his promises that we find in the second part of Exodus chapter 23. And if you have your Bibles and want to follow along, you can head over there right now. Let me just remind you where we're at in this big story since we're dropping in in the middle of Exodus chapter. 23. God has rescued his people from Egypt. Remember, he's raised up this people that right after the big rebellion of the Tower of Babel where humanity raises its fist against God and says, we want to worship idols. We don't want to worship the true God. And, and God basically says, okay, we're going to let you nations go. Go your way. Worship false idols in God's And and I'm going to raise up a new nation. And the very next chapter, we see him speaking to this guy named Abraham. That through you, all nations on earth will be blessed. That I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky. And this nation, the purpose of this nation, is, is going to be to show the goodness and the reality of God to the nations and ultimately to bring the Messiah, the Savior, who will be the blessing to the whole world. And so God frees them, he rescues his people from Egypt after he he takes this little family and turns them into a a nation of a million plus people, and then he rescues them, he delivers them, he he brings them through the Red Sea to this mount, Mount Sinai. And we did a five-week series looking at the Ten Commandments, God's top ten. You can go back and check that out on our website or our podcast. And over the last two weeks, what we've looked at are 42 of the 613 laws that that God gave them that will help govern their society, that will help turn them into this amazing, prosperous, free, blessed nation. The nation that when others look at this nation, they go, wow, who's your God? Because we want to be like you. What God do you worship? This people is so wise, so understanding, so blessed. That's what the story is about. And So now, God is going to finish this section off of these laws by giving them some incredible, incredible promises. And starting in verse 20, here's what God says. He's just gotten done with these laws. He says, "'See, I'm sending an angel ahead of you "'to guard you along the way "'and to bring you to the place that I have prepared.'" I am sending an angel to bring you to the place I have prepared.'" Now, as you're reading this, um, here's what you need to know. This word angel in the Hebrew just means messenger. Same thing in the New Testament, in the Greek, angel. So don't think, like, you know, your little grandma's cute little statue of the cherub, baby, angel thing. That's actually, every time that angels show up in the Bible, people are terrified. So I don't think the little cute angel cherub thing, like, yeah, it's, it's not even a thing, Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying when actual angel. But this is um, what you got to know about the angel of God here in this passage is um, basically in the next verse, God's going to say, hey, my authority, my name is in him. In other words, my authority, it's it's um, like a power of attorney, right? My authority, my name is in this angel. And what, what you see here all throughout this section of the Old Testament through Joshua is this interesting kind of concept where you see the angel of the Lord. And a lot of times like God's there and the angel's there and it's all kind of together. And here's what you need to know about that. In Genesis 1.1, when God says, let us create the, the world and let us create man, he said, literally says, let us create man in our image. And in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The, the, the word God has a plurality to it. And even Jewish scholars, the Jewish community, believed in this kind of idea of A God who was multiple in one, or we would say a Godhead. Up until the 2nd century AD, which coincidentally was when Christianity really began to spread. And as a reaction to that, that was actually taken out of early Judaism's theology. But what we see really brought to clear is you see all these hints in the Old Testament of, of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then it becomes really clear in the New Testament when Jesus and the apostles spell it out to us that God is three in one. Can you explain that? I can't. I've got some, you know, egg or different like things that maybe like sort of help us wrap our mind around it, but not really. We can't comprehend the infinite God, but that's what scripture teaches us, Right? And so what we see here, what, what this angel is all throughout the Old Testament, is this tangible manifestation of God's presence with them. Many people um, believe this is actually the person of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, that's going along with them. So here's the thing I want to like, as a little bunny trail, but here's the thing I want to really note here is. What does God say? See, I am sending an angel. This is, this is something I'm doing, right? And I am taking you to a place that I have prepared. In other words, this is God's plan. God has a plan, and you're invited into this plan. And the blessing that you're going to experience is, is what you're going to walk in, but the blessing is in the context of you walking in my purposes and my plan. In other words, you're going to experience blessing, but it's going to be because you're part, you're, you're operating within what I'm already doing. And so if you want, if you're taking notes today, I want to encourage you to write this down here, that God's promises are for his purposes. And if you want to experience the promises of God, you have to walk in the principles of God. And this is a major principle about God's promises, is that God's promises are for his purposes. And what is the purpose of his nation that he's raising up Israel? It's to show the glory and the goodness of God to the nations. That they would be that's why they had to be set apart and so distinct, so weird when you looked at the other nations, right? Because God wanted to prosper them and bless them, but they had to completely separate from all the other gods that that were worshiped in the area. And it's his agenda, right? his purposes his purpose in these promises is bringing his agenda to pass bringing his agenda to fruition in other words god's promises are for you but ultimately about his agenda we have another way of saying that around here and i'm going to test you and see if you've been listening life is for you not very good Life is for you, not about you. We say this all the time. And it's such an important thing to understand that God has created life and it's for us. It's for our enjoyment, but it's not about us. Remember, Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all the other stuff will be added to you. You gotta seek him first. And here's what you gotta know. If you make your agenda Even if you make the promises of God and you experiencing God's promises and your Christian faith all about your comfort and your success and your happiness, you're going to miss out on experiencing what God is actually doing in the moment, and you're going to be constantly disappointed when your lottery ticket version of faith doesn't work out, because that's never the way God intended it. And when you put your agenda first and all of a sudden your faith and the promises of God become all about me, 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 it will disappoint you. And the chances are at some point you'll just close yourself off to faith because that's never how God intended it. And that's never what the promises were all about. They were always about him and seeing his will being brought to pass and seeking his kingdom And it's as you engage in his purposes for your life and what he's created you to do and who he's created you to be that you begin to experience that joy and you begin to experience that peace in your life. God's promises are for his purposes. Verse 21 goes on. Pay attention to him, the the angel the messenger of God, and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. Verse 22, if you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land. And we're going to have some names here, so get ready. The land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, they are pretty bad. Um, The Canaanites, the Hivites, oh, the Hivites were awful. I I don't really know. It doesn't say in scripture, but these guys, I mean, probably they're on the, I I would have put them on the smiting first list. um, But anyway, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Now, Here's something you got to know about these because every time uh, you see these lists, um, actually there's this thing usually that rises up in a lot of people's hearts and perhaps you've, you're, you've wondered this or you've read through the Old Testament or you've had a thought like, man, it seems like the God of the Old Testament is like all about smiting and then Jesus is sort of all about love. How does this all line up, right? Here's what you have to understand. I, and I can't take a lot of time on this, but if you are taking notes, I want you to write down June 13, 14. Of this year, June 13, 14, and go back and listen to that talk because we really, really dug into this. So if that sparks your, your interest, June 13, 14 of 2020, you can go back to our podcast or, or our website. But here's what you got to understand about all these nations. All these nations are, are some of the nations. You remember the Tower of Babel? Whenever, when humanity raised its fist against God and said, We don't want to worship you, we want to be gods ourselves. Well, that began before actually the flood in this really strange passage in Genesis chapter 6. And there's these really weird um, creatures or people called the Nephilim, right? And so all these nations here are attached to these these nation peoples, of to the descendants of this group of people, people of unusual size that raised their fist in this giant rebellion against God. Every one of these nations has barbaric cultic practices like child sacrifice and just awful things. But even more than that, they're tied in, they're... they're heritage, these nations are directly traced back to Babylon and chaos in the story of Scripture and back to this horrific time in Genesis chapter 6. And so if that sparks your interest, go back and listen to the whole talk because we really dig into it a little bit more. But basically the idea here is when God says, I'm going to drive these people out, there's only a few people groups that he says, I'm going to absolutely destroy them. And they're all tied back to this this infection of humanity that we see in, in Genesis chapter 6. Here's why that's important and why you should go back and listen to that other talk. It's important because especially if, you know, if you're in, in school or in, in, in college, um, you're going to hear things like the God of the Old Testament was awful and just gen- a genocidal maniac. And as you dig into this and you really begin to understand this, what you understand is the context of this in a barbaric ancient humanity and the context of this in the overall story and account of Scripture, okay? So that's why it's important because God is good. God has always been good. God doesn't change. All right, verse 24. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. His blessing, the blessing he promises to his people is incredible here. And we read that list and we're like, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, It doesn't seem like that big a deal, right? We turn on the faucet, clean drinking water. Well, most of you are like, no, I only drink uh, Fiji water. Because <laughs> we have clean water. That's the point, right? You can turn on the faucet and drink it. You won't die. But just saying that. So for, for them, in a culture where literally you take a drink of water, every drink of water could kill you, he says, I'm gonna, my blessing is going to be on the water. In fact, in in a time and culture where many babies were lost, in fact, up till a couple hundred years ago, really, or or even last century, this was very common. Many babies were lost. They didn't make it through childbirth. Many times the mom didn't either, right? He says, my blessing's going to be on that. No kids? Like, in this day and age, if you didn't have kids, you weren't cared for in your old age. He says, my blessing's going to be on that. Um, When people regularly died young, I mean, in most of history, right? He says, you're going to live and experience an old age. People are going to look at your nation and go, who's your God? This is amazing. This is amazing. And so God promises incredible blessing. But I want to ask you, how is that blessing to be accessed? How are these promises? How are they supposed to secure and walk in these promises, right? And I want to put verse 21 and 22 back up there. And highlight something different. And that's this. He says, "Pay, what? Pay attention. Pay attention. Listen. I want you to listen. Don't rebel. Uh, listen, carefully. He repeats himself. Whenever God repeats himself, you want to pay attention. right? I mean, pay attention the first time, but when He repeats himself, really pay attention. Listen carefully. And what? And do all that I say. In other words, you got to walk in the principle in order to have the promise. I want you to listen carefully. You need to pay attention. Here's what God knows. Whatever has your attention has your heart. Right? Whatever has your attention has your heart. Which is one of the reasons, guys, why your wife gets so uptight when you're on your phone And she's talking to you. Any other guys? Yeah, like last night for me. Because what? Your wife wants your heart. And if she never gets your attention, she doesn't feel like she has your heart. So, So God says, pay attention. Pay attention. Listen carefully. And what? And do. In other words, there's an obedience thing the second thing, if you're taking notes, that you need to know about God's promises is this, that God's promises are for a people who listen and obey. They're for a people who listen and obey. See, Israel is, is going to follow God. When God moves, they move. Not vice versa, right? Not Israel sets off and then goes, God, come on, catch up. No. In fact, one time a little further in the, in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, um, a little further on, they do that. They go to a war that God doesn't tell them to go to. They get the smackdown, the royal beatdown. They come like whimpering back. God didn't tell them to do that. They weren't following, they weren't listening and obeying, right? They were just walking in presumption. But as long as they stay closely connected and attentive to God and obedient to God, they're going to reap the promises that God has for them. And for us, man, many times we want God to bless our plans instead of seeking him for his. Like, God, here's my agenda. I'm going to go off this way. It'd be really great if you could just bless that for me. Oh, wait, what? You, you have a different plan? Uh, I'm not really interested right now. That's not a way to reap the promises of God. God initiates. God leads. God brings it to pass. Your obligation is to listen attentively, to pay attention, and then to obey when he speaks. You know, at Life Community, our, our mission is to move people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And, and to understand what that means, I think one of the most valuable um, passages of scripture is in John, all the way from John 14 to 17. Your homework is to go home and read it if you should accept. But I just want to summarize it really quickly. And highlight a couple things because it's, I think it's so critical when we understand or if we want to understand what it means to, to grow in a relationship where we're listening and we're obeying. Jesus comes a little bit earlier in the book of John and he say, I have come, you know, the thief, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they would have life and have it in abundance, like real life, life to the full. And so in John chapter 14, it's at the Last Supper. These are some of the most critical and important things Jesus wants to communicate to his disciples before his crucifixion and resurrection and then before he ascends back to the Father. And and he says just some amazing stuff in these chapters. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And believe me, I'm going to come back and bring you where I am. He says, he makes some incredible statements. I am the way, the truth, the life, the only way to get to God. That is a bold and outrageous statement. And I love the way C.S. Lewis puts it, that you really can't say Jesus was a good, just a good moral teacher because if he was, and he said that, he was either a liar, a lunatic, or he was Lord, right? So he says that. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen God. He tells him, peace, I'm going to leave with you. Like real peace, not like the world gives you, real deep peace in your life. And then he begins to tell us a little bit about what it means to follow him. He says, if you love me, you'll sing lots of songs with your, raise your hands and get the goosebumps. No, that's not what he says that's good. I love that part of church and part of my spiritual life. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. If you love me, you listen and what? And obey. You see, we want a savior that requires nothing of us. And Jesus actually says, your love for me is indicated by walking in obedience. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, in John chapter 15. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, maybe a little bit, Jesus. I mean, I'm pretty good. I mean, no, nothing. Nothing of lasting, eternal value. Again, in John 15, he says, if you keep my commands you will remain in my love. This chapter, John chapter 15, four times he makes an if statement. If you do this, then you're going to experience this. If you do this, you will experience what it really means to walk in relationship and experience the promises, right? 11 times he uses this word, remain. If you remain in me, close to me, Intimately, like don't, not separated, not far away. Like you're pressing in. If you remain in me, if you remain in my teaching, if you remain in my love, if you obey my commands, all these things, right? If you do it. If you remain. Then in John chapter 16, he says, guess what? Um, doesn't mean that just because you, I've made all these amazing promises for you, that it's gonna be always easy. No, in fact, you know one of Jesus' promises? This one's probably not on your coffee cup at home. In this world, you will have trouble. Yeah, I don't really like that one, Jesus. <laughs> I'm just going to tuck that one over here. I like Jeremiah, you know, that one. Like, I have a purpose and a plan and will bless you. I like that one too, right? And he says, guess what? But take heart, because I have overcome the world. John 17, he prays for you and he prays for me. You know he prayed for us? Go read chapter. I tell you, that's your homework, 14 through 17, four chapters. And the whole chapter 17 is Jesus praying for us. And one of the things he prays is that we might have the full measure of joy within us. In other words, if you're walking with God, that is a promise. And then he says, if I go, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. You will have the Spirit of the risen Jesus dwelling within you. He says, it's actually going to be better than me right here next to you. And for us, we're like, how could that be, Jesus? And they were like that too. He says, no, when you experience what it's really like to know me, and to walk with my spirit, nothing compares to it. Nothing compares to it. But we only experience the promise of peace and joy and fruitfulness when we stay connected and attentive to him. When we listen and obey. God's promises are for a people who listen and obey. Verse 27. He goes on, I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I'm going to do this, right? Every nation. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hivites. See, I told you they were bad. God sends the murder hornets. It's 2020, you know? Yeah. Actually, a lot of scholars think this really, when he talks about the hornet, it's like an irrational panic. That's another way to look at it in the Hebrew. I'll send this panic ahead of you to drive the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites out of your way. But, now, so that's like, yeah, right? God's going to do this. He's bringing us into the promised land. It's going to be him. It's not all on us. He's going to do this like the murder hornets. Woo! But, but, now this part we're not going to like. You're just not going to like it. warning you. You're not going to like it. But I will not drive them out in a single year. What? No, no. We'll not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Everybody say this out loud. Little by little. That wasn't good. One more time. Little by little by little i will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land little by little And i don't really like that um, do do you have a lottery ticket version plan of this like i just want, kind of want it all in all one installment like boom blessing the land all of it it's not the way god works he looks at him and says little by little We like lottery ticket promises, right? Here's what we actually know about the lottery. The lottery ruins people. It destroys people. Now, I know you're thinking it wouldn't destroy me. I I think the same thing too, right? I'm like, I'd I'd like to try. I mean, but here's the truth. Statistically, 70% of people end up broke, like back where they started. After getting millions of dollars, you think like, well, I would do this, 70%. And here's what God knows about his promises and knows about us, that if we receive it all at one time, it very likely would ruin you too. It would ruin me. And the third thing is this, that God's processes, God's process rarely matches our expectations. He says little by little, little by little, you see, God grants responsibility based on maturity. In fact, Jesus said, if you're faithful in a little, you'll be what? Trusted with much. That's the way God's promises work. He says, here, let's see what you do with the little you have. Let's see how faithful you are with the little bit of resources. Let's see how generous you are with the little bit. Let's see how you invest this, not just in your own kingdom, but in the, in the kingdom, in my kingdom. Let's see how you do. Um... A pastor of mine, Dan Cox, said this, God is more concerned about your character than your comfort. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if I like that one very much. But guess what? It's really true, isn't it? And the first thing you got to know about his processes is, is walking with faithfulness through frustration is how many of God's promises come to fruition. Not the lottery ticket version where you pray a single prayer, you know, I'm going to follow Jesus, all of a sudden everything's rosy, right? The only problem with that lottery ticket version is like the whole Bible. Read it sometime. Find me one example where the promises of God did not come to pass through a process of struggle and faithfulness through pain. You know, when we were first planning this church, I remember... Um, one year, just like it, it, it was so hard the first year. I remember four months into the thing, we set up 50 chairs next door. And that night, like nine people, plus my wife and kids and me, showed up. It was hard, right? And there was a great temptation to give up the first year. And, and this principle is often where we lose heart because we want God's promises and we want them now. And we think that God should do it differently. But walking through the frustration and the pain and the struggle is often how those come to pass. That's the first thing. The second thing is many times God's processes of bringing his promises to pass, um, many times his promises are made to a people corporately. Like a group of people. But if you remember the laws we went over over the last couple of weeks, Um, There's some laws in there about like lousy things happening to people. Like if your bull, bull gores somebody else accidentally. If you're the person that got gored accidentally, that was a bad day, right? But here's the truth. Just because God makes a set of promises to a people does not mean that he ever in his word says things are going to go really, really well and easy for you in life. In fact, I think Jesus said something about that, didn't he? And, and what happens is when we encounter hardship, we assume God has abandoned us. And here, here's the things he has promised us. Grace and mercy. We'll always find grace and mercy. When we believe and put our trust in Jesus, we'll have eternal life. He's promised if we lean in and we abide and we remain in him, joy, peace, strength, provision, he'll provide for our needs. But never that life would be easy. Never that it would be easy. And a lot of times this is where we lose heart because God's promises rarely match. His process rarely matches our expectations. It's little by little. Verse 31. I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea and from the desert to the Euphrates River. I will give into your hands the people who live in the land and you will drive them out before you. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land or they will cause you to sin against me because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. Do you know what a snare is? I, I, when I was a kid, I was like into survival and I got this red survivalist book out of the library. It was really cool. It like, taught you how to make like cannons and stuff. And one of the things was it taught you how to like snare and capture deer and so um i never was very good at it because it turned out not only do you have to know how you have to have some skill um but but a snare is like a deer is coming up a track a track right and you have a noose set out on the ground and it's unsuspecting and it's moving in a certain direction and it's heading to the creek to get a drink of water and all of a sudden it steps in that and it's pulled off course not going to make it where it was headed, right? And in Israel's history, they didn't obey. They didn't obey this covenant. They didn't stay attentive. The worship of false gods, the neighboring gods, was constantly a snare for them. Constantly. They went into all the, all the abominable practices of, of these false gods, like sacrificing children on the fire, to the god Molech, and different things like that. And ultimately, they didn't receive the fullness of these promises. They never actually came into the full inheritance of the land. You remember the border from, from Red Sea all the way to the Euphrates River? This is a, a huge chunk of land, and they never actually came into the full inheritance of that land. The closest they came was under David, King David, and his son Solomon. But they never actually came into these promises fully and the fourth big principle if you're taking notes is this about the promises of God and walking in his promises the fullness of God's promises can be missed this should be a sobering thing for us as followers of Jesus the fullness of God's promises can be missed you see God's expectation for his people is that we would separate from things that would ensnare or capture us and a refusal to create separation from evil in our lives always becomes a snare. I bet you, uh, if we raised our hands, or, you know, uh, we won't do that. Uh, that would embarrass you. But if we shared what uh, some of the common snares are, I mean, there are things that are common to, to, to all people, right? Things that keep us from experiencing joy and peace and fruitfulness in our walk for Jesus. For guys, um, some of the classic ones, I had this this uh, big Fijian mentor named Israel, and uh, he would always say this, and it's stuck with me ever since. I was like 20. He said, gold, girls, and glory. Guys, probably your snare has something to do with one of those things. Gold, girls, glory. The love of money, it's a snare. Lust. Man, that was Solomon's undoing. In fact, the nation's undoing. The greatest, wisest, wealthiest king in Israel's history was an idiot and married like 700 foreign wives, right? I mean, you read the stories. It's crazy. And they drew his heart away to worship other gods. Right after him, it all went downhill really quickly for the nation of Israel. Gold girls, glory. Glory. Ladies, um, for you a lot of times, and guys too, but but especially ladies, uh, the temptation to be unequally yoked or to go, you know what? Oh, he is so cute. He is so cute. And I know he doesn't really love God. Or, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, he'd go to church like twice a year. But maybe if I just like, you know, start dating him, It'll just all work out. It's a snare. It's a snare. Ego, success, it's a snare. These are things, you know, the, the pursuit, the undying pursuit of our ego and success, it snares us. Unforgiveness, bitterness. I have a friend, She said so much internal anger and bitterness he wouldn't let go of. It became a snare in his life. Ruined relationships in his life habits, addictions, even good things that capture our attention and draw our hearts away. Sports, hobbies, entertainment, they're not bad, they're good. But when they become central and replace God and his kingdom purposes, like become the center of our lives, all of a sudden they become snares in our lives. And when all of our time and attention and resources are diverted into these things, and we miss out on the fruitfulness and the joy that God intended us to have, the fruit he wanted us to bear for his kingdom, right? And for these specific people, they are invited in, and and remember this, they're invited into the promised land. They don't make it. The people next week, we're going to see, they they ratify, they go, we're in, we're going to do everything God says. They don't listen attentively and obey. And they end up wandering around the desert for 40 years until that whole generation is dead and their kids are the ones that go in to the promised land. The fullness of God's promises can be missed. You know, the New Testament talks about people who basically, um, (laughs) the way it describes it is like, they're saved, but kind of like through the very fire. Like you just barely escaped. It's like, you're smelling a little smoky there, bro. Like by the skin of their teeth, right? You get to heaven, but no reward. You stand in front of your Savior, but you don't get to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's sobering. Some people will not hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But you know what? I I know you. You want to experience the fullness of his promises. You want to live your life in such a way that you hear well done. You want to experience his promises. And to do that, it's dependent on walking in his principles. So we started out saying today that experiencing God's promises is dependent on walking faithfully in his principles And too often we don't want to walk through the faithfulness that God expects of us in order to get to the promises that he has for us. So I just want to ask you a question today. I'm going to invite Winston up, and we're going to close with a song. Where do you need to press into faithfulness? Is there an area in your life that you know, I need to press into faithfulness in this area? Maybe it's really just realigning your heart with his purposes. Has life kind of become all about you? That it's really, when you boil it down, seeking first his kingdom, that's just completely off the radar. Life has become all about you. Are you so concerned and wrapped up into problems of today that you've lost sight of the bigger picture of eternity and his kingdom? Great indication around that is, is taking an honest look at how you spend your time and how you spend your resources, right? Is there an area of your life where you know you just haven't been obedient? You haven't obeyed Him. You've been actually resisting the Holy Spirit. Every time, you know, maybe you stop and pray, it's just like He's just prodding you on this area, and you're just like, quiet, quiet. I don't want to deal with it. Maybe you need to realign your life in an area of obedience. Maybe you need to separate from something that's really become a snare in your life. Maybe that's a dating relationship, maybe it's a habit. It's an attitude or an action, something you need to make right. Maybe you just need to like persevere and walk faithfully. You're in a hard season, like it's not gone the way you thought. Like God's process, you're like God, you're slow. Where are you, God? I don't get it. My life's not going the way I thought it would. God, you spoke things to me years ago, and I don't know how that's ever going to come to pass. It's not happening. Don't give up. Too many people give up just before God brings it to pass. Be faithful. For some of you, you just really need to listen and obey right now. You need to press in. That God doesn't have your attention. and You need to give him your full attention again. You need to carve out space in your day just to be quiet before him. Time to stop and pray. You know, sometimes that disappointment or hardship in life causes a wall to come up between God and us. I I don't know, it's been this thing, like, this has been a really tough year, I know, for, like, a lot of people. It's been a tough year for me, just trying to lead through this whole weird, crazy year, right? How do you do that? And then I I remember, like, when I, I broke my leg, it was like, are you kidding me? Like, in 20, really? And I don't know, it was really weird this last week. It's like, it's been interesting because it's like I know all the right answers on the pastor, right? So, and actually I can tell you, I'll be like, actually I have more empathy for people that have struggled with mobility now than I've ever had before. That's like a good thing coming out of this, right? But then there's the other thing. I I noticed like I was waking up in the morning and where normally like just prayer would lay in bed would come naturally. It's like, it just felt like there's a wall up. I'm like, what's that all about? Is it like the hardship and disappointment, God, is there like a wall? It just kind of feels like there's a wall. Prayer isn't coming easy. I don't want to pray. I'm like, "Ah, that's something I need to pay attention to. I need to break through that. Because we only experience the promise of peace and joy and fruitfulness when we stay connected and attentive to him. So I want to invite you to stand right now. We're going to sing a song. And you know, as we start singing, also if you don't want to stand, you can sit down. Some of you might need to just sit and pray and and talk to God because one of these things really is pressing on your heart. So as we sing this, I just want to invite you to either sing or not, but really just do business with God. And if he pinpoints something, would you make Commitment in your heart to deal with that this week?